Welcome to AI Arthritis Voices 360, the podcast solving today's most pressing issues in the AI arthritis community. We invite you to take the microphone and share your best tips, triumphs, and inspirations. Whether you are still in search of a diagnosis or a longtime patient, we want to hear from you because we know how much your voices matter. So pull up a chair and have a seat at the table. Welcome to AI Arthritis Voices 360. This episode is airing as a part of our COVID-19 and AI Arthritis special series that our nonprofit, the International Foundation for Autoimmune and Autoinflammatory Arthritis, or AI Arthritis for short, formerly known as IFAA, created at a time when many of us in the community are concerned about many aspects impacting our lives during the coronavirus pandemic. And we at AI Arthritis want to make sure that you get connected to the most credible and reliable information available in a time of mixed messages and an ever-changing landscape of information. My name is Kelly Conway, and I am the co-founder of AI Arthritis. I'm also the author of the blog, As My Joints Turn, My Autoimmune Soap Opera. And if you follow me on social media, you'll know that I've written a book about my chronically ill dog called Making Lemonade with Georgia Grace. It's because of Georgia that I decided to investigate this topic a little bit more closely. When I was looking at the original list of who would be high risk for contracting these diseases, people with pre-existing conditions included heart disease and diabetes. Well, there are two conditions that my dog Georgia had. So in the beginning, we were being told, or from what I heard through social media and news stories, that animals were not passing the virus to people. That still remains true, but things have changed a little bit. So because of that, I found that there's been so many mixed messages regarding pets and the coronavirus that I felt it was really important to reach out to a veterinarian and ask for her opinion. So I reached out to veterinarian and friend Dr. Stephanie Hickey from Admiral Veterinary Hospital in Knoxville, Tennessee. Dr. Hickey recommended that I go to the American Veterinary Medical Association website. On there, they state, well, two dogs in Hong Kong and one cat in Belgium have been reported to have been infected with SARS-CoV-2, infectious disease experts, and multiple international and domestic human and animal health organizations agree there is no evidence at this time to indicate that pets spread COVID-19 to other animals, including people. If you are not ill with COVID-19, you can interact with your pet as you normally would, including walking, feeding, and playing. You should continue to practice good hygiene during those interactions, for example, washing your hands before and after interacting with them, before and after feeding them, ensure that everything around your pets is kept clean and that they're well-groomed. Out of an abundance of caution, it is recommended that those ill with COVID-19 limit contact with animals until more information is known about the virus. Have another member of your household take care of walking, feeding, and playing with your pet. If you have a service animal or if you must care for your pet, then wear a face mask, don't share food, kiss or hug them, and wash your hands before and after any contact with them. Now, I spoke with Dr. Hickey last week, and all of that seemed to be exactly what I had been hearing, that animals cannot pass the virus to humans, and it didn't seem like they were passing it to each other. But if you were sick, because we don't know enough about this virus, because it is novel and no one has had it before, that there's not enough information to know if we could indeed pass it on to animals. So, over the weekend, as I was preparing to put this podcast together, there was a news story about a tiger in Brooklyn. 
On my own, I went back to the AVMA, American Veterinary Medical Association page, to see if there were any updates. And what they updated with is, the USDA National Veterinary Services Laboratory has confirmed the presence of the SARS-CoV-2 in one tiger at a zoo in New York. This is the first instance of a tiger being infected with COVID-19. Several lions and tigers at the zoo show clinical signs of respiratory illness, and this tiger was tested accordingly. Public health employees believe that the large cats became ill after being exposed to a zoo employee who is actively shedding virus. All of the large cats are expected to recover. No other animals in other areas of the zoo are exhibiting similar clinical signs. The USDA and CDC are monitoring the situation, and the OIE, which is the World Organization for Animal Health, will be notified of the findings. So I would assume the World Organization for Animal Health is very similar to the World Health Organization, which is the counterpart for humans. So again, we're finding that animals did indeed contract the virus, and it was passed on by someone who had the virus and was probably feeding the animals. I can't imagine them getting super close to the animals and petting them, but for some reason, the virus was passed on to them. So that is the update from there. So I think a good rule of thumb would be to have a plan. Now, not hugging and kissing your pets, that for me personally would be very difficult. But if I knew it was going to keep them safe, I would do what I have to do to protect them. Dr. Hickey also suggested other good ideas to know about the hours of your vets. If they are open, some will be closed or have modified hours and know their protocols. This is an excellent idea. About two weeks ago, I had an emergency with Georgia. She was diagnosed with pancreatitis, diabetic ketoacidosis, and a urinary tract infection. She never goes halfway, my Georgia. She always goes full in. So my regular vet couldn't take her. So I had to take her to an emergency veterinary hospital, which we've been to many times in the past. Their protocol is you pull up and you call when you get there, and then you have to wait for someone to come out. They are dressed in masks, gloves, facial protection. They come to your car. You have to leave the harness, the leash, everything. They just take the animal from you. No carrier is taken. And you basically have to wait until you're in your car until the dog is seen, just in case they need you for any reason. Now, this protocol, most being curbside with no people allowed in the hospital, some might have exceptions for euthanasia. However, at the hospital I had to go to, which is right outside of Philadelphia, unfortunately, I did have to see a a man and his beautiful dog had to be put to sleep so the man could be with his pet. They did it behind the building to give a modicum of privacy. But it was heartbreaking to know that he couldn't go in there and he couldn't hold the dog for a while. And it was very sad to see. So, Just from my personal experience, veterinarians right now are also first responders and are also on the front lines. I know in the state of Pennsylvania, I can't speak about other states and I can't speak about other countries at this point, but I know in the state of Pennsylvania that veterinarians, your typical vet, cannot see your animals for regular appointments. You can't take them in to get their nails trimmed. You can't take them in to get certain boosters. I believe you can still take them in to get rabies shots. I'm not 100% sure on that, how that extends to other states. So it's only veterinary emergency services that are allowed under a state shutdown for essential businesses. That meant that my vet could not take my dog in. 
they wouldn't be able to keep her because their hours have switched and changed. So it's something that you have to realize if you do have a pet emergency, you might have to spend a lot of time sitting in your car. You might have to spend a lot of time waiting to be seen. And you're not going to be allowed to go in with your pet, which is, for me, it was the most difficult part of the entire experience. So, more information regarding having the coronavirus. I looked to the American Kennel Club because they have a lot of information as well about how the coronavirus is impacting people with pets. And again, many people in our community, we have not only just pets, we have service animals, we have emotional support animals, we have animals that we rely on daily. According to the American Veterinary Medical Association, petting a dog's fur is low risk. That was something that I was really concerned about. As I walk Georgia around the neighborhood, many kids usually come out to pet her. Well, I've been avoiding having anybody touch my dog other than myself because I don't want her getting pet and then me touching her and then suddenly I have the virus. So the chief veterinary officer of the AVMA Gail Golab says, we're not overly concerned about people contracting COVID-19 through contact with dogs and cats. There's a science behind that. The virus survives best on smooth surfaces such as countertops and doorknobs, Golab says. Porous materials such as pet fur tend to absorb and trap pathogens, thus making it harder to contract them through touch. Now, how can dog owners protect our dogs from the coronavirus? Well, for now, Healthy pet owners don't need to do anything than follow their basic hygienic precautions. If you do test positive, experts are recommending that you should restrict contact with your animals, both to avoid exposing the pets and to prevent getting the virus on their skin or fur, which might also be passed on to another person who touches the animal. So again, although they're saying there's not a huge likelihood because we don't know enough about this virus, they're asking you to be extremely cautious. To reduce the spread of germs, you may consider wiping your pet's paws when they come in and out of the house with a paw cleaner and or paw wipes. I've also given Georgia a few baths if she's been touched by people. Some other things that you have to consider now in this day and age where a lot of non-essential businesses are closed. Pet stores are, for the most part, the chains are mostly open. Some of the smaller stores in my area have closed. So some things that I started doing was bulking up on food ordering. I got large orders in for both the cats and for Georgia, including their food. For Georgia, getting her medicine, making sure I had access to enough diabetic supplies so I could test her, and also so that I had enough insulin available. I had all of her medication available. And I did notice that some of the pharmacies were offering to supply some, they had some BOGOs going on, I think, to encourage people to purchase. So you might want to look for promotional codes. I am someone who uses an online service called Chewy, and they are not associated with this podcast, but I will let you know they are a company that usually ships products in two to three days based on where I live. My last order was placed on March 26th, and I didn't receive it until yesterday, which was April 5th. That's 10 days, which if you are used to getting these products within two to three days, you're going to be waiting longer. Luckily for me, I was also able to get it online from Amazon, which was able to deliver the in-between. So I feel like I'm pretty strong on food right now. I said before, I'm also giving Georgia frequent baths to wash off any possible exposures and keeping her on a schedule now that I'm home. 
That's the one thing I've noticed if you have pets. Mine are looking at me like, what the heck are you doing here during the day? You don't belong here. Not only is my routine thrown off, their routine is thrown off. As I'm busy doing Zoom meetings for my full-time job, the cats are busy running through the house, (laughs) knocking things all over the place. So I always wondered when my neighbor said, oh, I can hear the cats playing during the day, and I thought that was weird. Oh no, they sound like a herd of elephants as they run through the house chasing each other. So I'm working on keeping them on a schedule, making sure they're getting their food at the same time every day, making sure the dog goes for walks at the same time every day, because I know at the end of this, it's going to be another shift getting them back to normal when I am back at work. Two of my pets also suffer from separation anxiety. My cat Milo struggles with it a great deal. Whenever I leave the house, he cries. And Georgia really doesn't like to be away from me, as independent as she is. The other thing that I did, because I also have a compromised immune system, I made arrangements in case something happens to me. So I made both a short-term arrangement, so if I do get sick, to avoid Georgia being exposed and risking her health, Georgia will go to one of my very good college friends, and she will stay there while I recover from the virus. Now, because she's been having some medical issues, she might actually have to go into the hospital. So that might be something I have to look into. But I made that short-term plan so that she could get what she needs and I wouldn't have to worry about taking care of her. The cats, I would talk to my veterinarian. They came from a rescue and I would see if the rescue could possibly take them in for the long term. For the short term, I'm fairly certain my neighbors would be fine coming in and giving them food and water and changing out the litter box. Now for long term, God forbid that we need it, but for long term, I did contact someone who I felt I could trust to take my pets. It's not an easy decision, and it was actually a very uncomfortable call to make, but in planning ahead, you have to do that in these situations. If I can't take care of a dog with severe medical needs, then I need to know that I'm leaving her to somebody who can, and I trust that person implicitly. So that's the information that I was able to get regarding the coronavirus. So if you are diagnosed with COVID-19, you need to exercise an abundance of caution and either not take care of your pets, ask somebody else in your household to do that for you, or if they are a service animal or a support animal and you have no choice or you live alone like myself and have to take care of your pets, then make sure to use extreme hygiene precautions, such as washing your hands before and after touching the animals, possibly wearing clean gloves when you're touching the animals would probably also help to make sure that you are wearing a face mask, especially if feeding or walking or doing anything like that. You want to make sure that you're keeping them protected as well as yourself. That is our information on caring for pets during the COVID pandemic. We want to remind everyone that these COVID-19 and AI arthritis special episodes are just that. While we are airing them currently during our regularly scheduled programming times, 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time USA Sundays and 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time USA Wednesdays. Soon these will branch off into their own airtime and we will continue airing other non-COVID-19 discussions on a separate day and time and that will be announced in the future. We were doing this so that you will have a choice of when and if you want to be a part of these COVID-19 conversations. And speaking of joining the conversation, now it's time for you to take a seat and join us. We have created a public Facebook group 
COVID-19 and AI arthritis as a part of our International Foundation for AI Arthritis page at IFAI Arthritis. You can join this group and you can continue the conversation with me by commenting on the post that's featuring this episode. You can also add your questions to a designated question and answer post and find resources that we will share from reputable sources, including our many nonprofit friends from around the world. And in this episode, we will be including things from the World Organization for Animal Health, from the American Veterinary Medical Association, and from the American Kennel Club. They have excellent resources for people at this point taking care of animals during this pandemic. These episodes and the resources will also be located at our website at aiarthritis.org backslash COVID-19. So in closing, pull up a seat. It's time for you to join the conversation. Thank you again. My name is Kelly Conway. Please consider following me at As My Joints Turn, My Autoimmune Soap Opera, and also if you would like, follow the sweet Georgia Grace at Making Lemonade with Georgia Grace. She is on Facebook. And she's also on Instagram at the Georgia the Cavalier. Take care, be safe, and be healthy. Bye-bye. AI Arthritis Voices 360 is produced by the International Foundation for Autoimmune and Autoinflammatory Arthritis. Every Sunday, join our fellow patient co-hosts as they lead the discussions in the patient community, as well as consult with stakeholders worldwide to solve the problems that matter most. Find us on the web at www.aiarthritis.org.